Hello, and welcome to my office. I'm Dr. Lucy McBride, and this is Beyond the Prescription, the show where I talk with my guests like I do my patients, pulling the curtain back on what it means to be healthy, redefining health as more than the absence of disease. As a primary care doctor for over 20 years, I've realized that patients are much more than their cholesterol and their weight, that we are the integrated sum of complex parts. Our stories live in our bodies. I'm here to help people tell their story and for you to imagine and potentially get healthier from the inside out. You can subscribe to my weekly newsletter at lucymcbride.com newsletter and to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So let's get into it and go beyond the prescription. I'm so excited to welcome today's guest, Tori Shonuff Nelson. Tori is a 13-time world champion boxer who will be inducted into the Boxing Hall of Fame this year. Her story is inspiring. As she was raised by a single mom, was a single mom herself working multiple jobs when she found boxing and boxing found her. Tori has always been a fighter, and today we'll talk about how boxing helped her manage her mental and physical health in tandem. Tori, I'm delighted to have you today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. On my birthday. It's your birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. I'm honored to spend it with you. And as you know, my birthday is on the day you're being inducted into the Hall of Fame. I wish you could be out there so we could party. I'm going to be thinking about you all day. Yes. Okay. I will. I'll call you. Call me. Yes. So here's the thing about you that I find so interesting. You're this fierce athlete. You have achieved amazing things in your career. Yet behind the curtain of this pillar of strength is someone who struggled with vulnerability and anger from an early age. In getting to know you, I've learned about you being raised by your mother, of course, but really by your brothers and how you had all these feelings and emotions as a youngster that weren't being heard. What I want to ask you first is tell me about growing up and where that anger might have come from that then you used in your career. Growing up was wonderful when I was growing up. It was difficult, but everything happens for a reason, you know? So I'm the only girl of three boys, and I'm the baby. Like you said, my mother was our provider, but my mother was a single mother. She worked like two jobs to take care of us. So who was I raised by? My brothers. Teenage boys. Like, my oldest brother is only eight years older than me. So you can imagine an eight-year-old raising me. Mm. And, like, my other brother's four years under him. It was no crying. It's no talking about no feelings. Like, what happens in a house, stay in your house. No compassion. Like, we had no compassion. And my mom was a very strong woman, like, very strong and private. Growing up, you know, you don't hear, I love you. You just know it. How'd you know? She provided. If I needed anything, I got it. Half the time, if I ain't even needed, if I wanted something, I got it. Or even my brothers, they love me like, oh, we fight. But then if somebody else said something to me or wanted to take me out to be their little girlfriend or whatever, like, they like, oh, no, won't do that. It was hard. I was an athlete. So that was kind of an outlet. But my anger came from, I guess they say, all girls need their father. 
Mm. My dad was a big time drug dealer, so mm. he stayed in and out of prisons, you know. So my mom, she was single. She was just like, no, I'm not doing this. I'm working for the prison and you in them. You know, we're not doing this. And I have children to raise. And then with him saying, oh, I'm going to come and I'll see y'all. And like a kid, you wait and you wait and he never comes. You know, and your mom like, he's not coming. Why do you keep waiting? Like my mom was very tough, but she was to the point. But my brothers was just like, let's go. Like, what you crying for? How many times have he done this? Like, you fall down. Get up. Let's go. So it was hard, but it made me who I am today. Tori, you told me this story about your childhood. It was a moment where you really realized you needed a mom or a yes. sister. You got your period. Yes. And you needed someone, someone. To, someone to hold your hand, <laughs> and no one showed up. Nope. My brothers said, didn't you learn what to do? Yes. Okay, but when you first get your period, your emotions are up and down. You cry, you laugh. Your, your emotions are crazy. I didn't totally understand at first why my emotions are like this. But then that next day, I'm in the bathroom, it comes. I'm like, I'm calling my brothers. One come to the door and was like, what's wrong? I was like, my monthly started. Okay. Don't you know what to do? Yeah, but like, he clearly did. Yeah, he, did. he had no idea. He was like, I'm like, but my stomach hurts. Like, and I'm crying. He was like, stop crying. Stop crying. Is that going to help you? Look in the closet. Get the things that mommy showed you and come out like you're fine. You're going to be OK. So I do what he says. I come out. I'm cramping, cramping so bad. And he was like, come on, let's go outside. And I'm like, I don't want to go outside to play like I feel sick. We don't have time for this. Suck it up. And you better not cry. Okay. And even though it's very physical and it's a sort of rite of passage for every woman, you still need that TLC. Oh, yes, you need it. At least if you hear somebody say, oh, it's okay. You're going to be fine. Go lay down. Like something. Right. Negative. They was like, girl, back. Come on here. Let's go. So it sounds like you knew that your family loved you because they protected you, they defended you, they provided for you. Exactly. But there was no verbalization of, oh, no, I love you. Like you weren't allowed to express vulnerability or fear or disappointment or heartbreak, really, when your dad didn't come see you. Oh, yeah. No, you wasn't. And, you know, as far as the vulnerability, like, I guess I never really realized it till I got older because it's not in you. You're not exposed to it. It's there, but you don't realize it because you were raised this way. Mm. And this is what it is until you get older and you're like, oh, wow. Even today, my friends be like, Tor, where's your compassion? Where I was going to get it from? No one was modeling that for you. Oh, definitely not. It sounds like your mom had every reason to be tough. Oh, definitely. She had to be. Yeah, she had to be, you know, because my mom was a counselor for the maximum security inmates. She was not the one to be playing with. Like, she had fun. Like, she'll make you laugh or you'll laugh. Or she was a clown sometimes, especially when the grandkids came. Oh, she was a totally different person. That hardcoreness was driven in her. She had to be that way. But when you're a kid and you're dealing with the heartbreak of, for example, your dad oh, not yeah. showing up to see you, I mean, that's a very human and normal emotion. Yeah. And so, you know, you have the perspective now that your mom had to be tough. But yes. back then, without a template for how to be vulnerable or to show that you were sad or 
angry or afraid, where did those feelings go then if they weren't expressed verbally? Probably outside to fight somebody, you know? What did that look like? So you just stay, I'm sad because my dad didn't come. So then everybody like, suck it up. You are okay. Do you need anything? Are you missing any meals? You got a roof over your head, you're fine. So I go outside, I'm mad. So the little boy across the street would come and say, Tori, you want to play? No. Or somebody on the other side would throw a rock, any little thing, and I'm fighting. Oh, I'm fighting you. Meaning literally like rolling up your sleeve. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's on. I was raised by boys. So it's no pulling hair, it's no scratches, no throwing no rock back. Oh, I am hands on. Yes, we're fighting. Then I come back in the house. Then I got to get in trouble by my brothers because my mom worked. So I'm in trouble because they like, why were you out there fighting? What happened? But they the ones that taught me, fight first, ask questions later. But then they would ask me, why'd you fight? Because he said this. All right. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to whoop you or you in trouble. But I mean, I just got to hear it. You know, you about to hear that when mommy come home because the parents going to say something. This is how you coped. You understand it now as an adult, but you were coping with a lot of unmet needs and unmet emotional needs with fighting. And it landed you in some trouble. Oh, yeah, a lot of trouble. I used to get in trouble all the time. I tried to do better, like, by high school. I tried is the key word. Because I was an athlete, of course. So I played a lot of sports. So they bribed me of, if you don't get in trouble, you can play. But I mean, even if you don't, trouble find you sometimes. So I'm just like, okay. But then they'll say, we got to call your mom. And my mom used to always say, I'm not coming to that school messing with you. I'm not. If I got to leave work and come get you, oh, it's problems. And I knew it would be problems. I would cry be like, don't call my mom. Please don't call my mom. They call my mom. It sounds like people were saying to you, don't fight, don't fight, don't fight. Yes. This is messing up my day at work, mm-hmm. naturally. I mean, who wants to go pick up their kid from school when exactly. they've gotten in a fight? This is not what you should be doing. So people are telling you, stop fighting. Oh, yeah. But no one's asking you why. why. No. At one time, my mom, she didn't even ask me why. She said, be ready when I get home tomorrow. Okay. Well, you don't ask questions, especially to a single black mother. You do what she say. So I'm like, okay, I'm ready. She takes me to this building and was like, let's go. So we go in and I'm looking like, okay. And so they call my name and she was like, go back there. And so I go and it's a counselor, like the therapist. And I'm here for what? And she was like, well, Tori, well, I'm your mother's concerned because you have so much anger and you are who? I'm not talking to you. Like, you don't know what I go through. You don't know me. You don't know my life. Then it's my anger to her, Mm. you know, because, like, you don't know me. Yeah. You don't have the life I have. So I'm not about to tell you what's going on with me in my house or outside my house. Like, I don't know you. That session was over very quickly. So we go back again because my mother's like, okay, that was your first time. Like, hopefully you're going to open up this time. We go back the same thing. Like, I just shut down. I wouldn't even say anything. I'm like, is it over? And so we get uh, back outside, and I tell mama, don't bring me here no more. You're wasting your money. I'm not going to talk to this lady. She don't know me. And she was like, what's she trying? I don't want to know her. She's not going to help me. No. It's not always about who you can talk to. Because sometimes it's not talking that'll get to a person. Sometimes you need an outlet. Some people might play sports. Some people might do talk. I need to punch. My thing is punching. I need to let it out that way. So boxing was what I did. Like once they came to me, 
and boxing chose me because I was going to be a state trooper. I wanted to be in law like my mom. I had plenty of background of fighting, so I was ready for it. <laughs> I passed the state trooper workout and everything, but I said, mm -mm, it just won't for me. Let's talk about anger for a minute. It's an emotion. It's mm -hmm. a feeling. Yes. It's actually a really convenient emotion in a way because it's action-oriented. Oh, yeah. Like you feel wronged and anger gets you up and out of yeah, your chair exactly. and swinging at somebody. Oh, yeah. In your case. Exactly. Anger for a lot of people is also a proxy for fear, mm -hmm. vulnerability, disappointment, mm -hmm. heartbreak. Exactly. So anger is an emotion. Anger is also a physical feeling. I'd love you to describe what it feels like or what it felt like in your body when you feel that person wronging you Oh, and then what it feels <laughs> like. I mean, it's very physical. It is. As soon as you said it, the thing that came in my mind was a lion mm. roaring in your belly and coming up to your chest. I guess that's really how I feel. And I didn't feel it long because I don't waste time. I don't have sisters. I don't argue. I don't know how. So I'm swinging. As soon as I say, excuse me, and then I got to really hear what you said, oh, it's hands on after that. And so it makes so much sense, Tori, what you said, which is that for some people, talking through feelings mm -hmm. with that therapist, your mother, you know, nicely tried to send you to, yes. but it wasn't the right <laughs> fit. You know, talking can be helpful, like the intellectual exercise of discovery, mm -hmm. like what are the feelings that are behind this anger? But for you, it was always more physical oh, yeah. than anything else. Anything else. And so it's not surprising to me then that boxing found you or that you found boxing because you put this intense lion-like physical feeling into the ring. It shows me how much anger you had that you were able to channel it and be so successful. And that's a blessing that boxing found me. I had to find a way to channel that anger. Because I'm telling you, my ex, I used to hit him. You passed this on. You did. And later I found out my mom was a fighter. Mm. Like, she fought all the time, they told me in school. Like, she had no problems. My dad fight. Well, used to fight. So it's just passed down. And I passed it to my daughter. Oh, she'll put hands on and no questions asked. I hit my husband one day, my ex. And he was like, Tori, we got to stop. Like, you have to stop doing this. But I don't know any other way to let my anger out. And so my daughter, like later that day or so, hit my son and like hit him crying. And she used to hit him with anything. And so I was like, don't do that. And she said, but you hit daddy. That was a wake up call. Yeah, that really said that it all when, you're, when your daughter yes. called you out. I think a lot of people assume that domestic violence happens because the man always hit the woman. The man is hitting the woman. <laughs> yeah. We assume that people are just violent people. Yeah. When it's always important to understand the why. Yeah. Like, is it generational trauma? Yeah. Is it unmet needs, whether they're social, emotional, economic, whatever needs are not being met? What's going on behind the scenes that brought you to hit your ex-husband? I don't have words. When I'm mad, like, and I can't speak for everybody. I can speak for me, but I'm sure there's others out there. When you're mad, you don't have words. To show you I'm mad, I'm putting my hands on you. That relieves my stress, and that lets you know that I'm mad. Like I told you, speaking, talking to me, only going to make me even madder. Tori, you told me about getting in some trouble with the law. 
and being sent to like an anger management class. And I'm going to guess that that went over as well as your mom's attempt to send you to therapy did. It went a little better because I didn't want to go to jail. Well, (laughs) you were motivated to not go to jail. Yes, yes. But it helped a little bit, but it was a temporary fix because, all right, I'm here because I don't want to go to jail. So I'm going to listen. Of course, if you in there, you're going to pick up a little something. But of course, as soon as you get back out there, it lasts, what, a week? And then something else happened, and you fly off the handle again. Like all that that I learned in class is out the window. I don't remember that. You can't tell someone not to be angry. You can't. You cannot punish someone out of no. the unmet needs no. they have. That's like me telling you, don't be hungry. How can you say that? You said it. It's like saying, don't be hungry. It's like saying, don't have feelings about your dad not showing up for you. Yes. I mean, that is like saying, don't be human. Exactly. If we as human beings have needs that are not met, we typically feel afraid. We feel vulnerable. We feel mad. Those feelings go somewhere. They have to come out. They have to come out. Tell me what boxing professionally did for you with regards to anger? When I say my patience is so much better because, you know, for one, the training camp, like just training, period. For one, you so exhausted, like you don't even have time. Somebody cut you off going home. You'd be the like, lion has turned into yeah. like a little oh, kitten. <laughs> yes, I'm telling you. So it's my outlet. It was a big outlet for me. So now instead of getting in trouble, fighting outside in the street. And you know what? My coach, he nailed it. He said, T, how do you feel now? Like, you can beat up anybody you want in this ring and get paid for it. You don't have no court fees. You don't have to get no lawyer. Like, they paying you? That's the best job ever. And I don't have to get no counselor because I'm letting it out. It's interesting, too, how much awareness you have now about your anger because you didn't have that awareness then and now you have it. So what was it about discharging the anger in the ring that helped you then understand that it was anger to begin with? Or was that just a process of growing up and getting older? The main thing what changed me actually was my daughter. When she said that, that was an eye opener. I guess I did know I was angry because I know I like to fight. And a normal person, you shouldn't like fighting like that. But when she said that and when she used to hit my son and I'm like, okay, no, because this is passed down. Like something has to change. I had a praying grandmother and, you know, I always used to go to church. But sometimes you get in your 20s or whatever and you drift off. You go here and there. You become an Easter goer or a Christmas goer. So one of my friends was like, a co-worker rather, she was like, Tori, come go with me to church. So my family and I, we went and they was doing a fast, a seven-day fast. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. You know, it's worth a try. It, it, maybe it'll help. With everything, I wasn't even thinking about helping my anger. At this point, I'm thinking about helping my marriage, helping my kids, like helping everything. I get on the fast. I'm telling you, I didn't eat for seven days. I went through this fast and... I was changed. Some people believe it, some don't. Like I saw a light, like the brightest light I've ever seen in my life in my living room. I just bawled down and started crying because I knew life had to change. After that, it changed. So when I started boxing, my coach used to say, you can't get in the ring angry, T. Now, training, 
Like, before I started, like, professional boxing, oh, I was angry. Oh, all day long, what I went through in that day, somebody in that ring going to pay for that when I get in there. Because now I'm, like, channeling it the right way, they say. He's telling me, T, no fighting outside, you fight inside. Okay. So hold it all in till you get into that ring in the gym. So I'm telling you, when I went pro, he said, now, you can't fight angry. I was like, okay. It was very different. But it worked because if you're angry, you're not thinking and you exhaust yourself. What do you mean when you say when you're angry, you're not thinking? You're just acting off reaction. Like, you're not thinking at all. Like, all that time I was back in the day fighting, kicking out windshields, busting lights and stuff. I wasn't thinking. I just wanted it all for me. I just wanted to feel better. And what made Tori feel better was to beat you. Bust your stuff up or something, you know? So what does it feel like when you show up? You're getting ready. You're wearing your robe. You've got the hood over you. The crowd is going wild, anticipating your entry into the arena. What are you feeling in those moments? Anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. It makes me anxious even thinking about it. I suffer anxiety. During the fight, I used to get so sick. Like, I would throw up. And they would say, Nelson on deck, I would throw up. I would just get sick. My anxiety would take over my body. And my coach was like, Tori, you have to change that because you're losing half of your energy before you even get to the fight. So you're making the fight harder for yourself. Although it's hard to tell someone, don't be anxious. Again. Right? We're not like TVs where you can just change the channel. Exactly. So how did you get over the anxiety? Or maybe you still have it. I still have it. I still suffer anxiety. But, you know, he fixed this, that situation because he was like, we got to fix this. My assistant coach would stand outside because if I hear it from my coaches, it's different. That's your authority. Like, that's who you're listening to. They would tell my assistant coach outside. My assistant coach would come in, tell my coach, and then my coach would be like, RT, ready to walk. Let's go walk. And I was fine. Like, okay, bad, let's go. And I'm ready. Most of the time, you come to the door of the entrance to go into the building, like where the crowd is. You stop for a second like a second, and then you go back. You go on inside to the ring. But they had made it to the point where I wouldn't stop. I don't need that stop because anxiety kicks in. And that's the reason why, too, I kept my head down and my hood over. Because he said, once you see the crowd, you sick. And so I would keep my head down. He even was like, put your headphones on. We'll take them out when we get to the ring. You don't need to hear it. You don't need to see it. And so they led me to the ring every fight. Is there something about... You being successful in the ring that helped you understand your emotions better, like from childhood, like the unmet needs? No, I think the outlet is what helped me so much. Like, I'm much better. Like, you have to really, 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 really push me for me to get angry. Now. At this point. Yeah, now. Oh, yeah, now. Whenever I get upset now, the outlet, the punching, they let me punch. They let me fight. I remember nights that I would go in at one o'clock or midnight, and I'm just punching a bag till I'm exhausted, bawling, crying, because I just got to get anger out. I just had to get it out. And do you have empathy or compassion for the little girl who didn't know what she was doing and for the brothers who are trying the best they can? Or do you think that that was just a time and a place in your life? That was just a time and a place. Yeah. You know, because everything happens for a reason. Mm. Now, what if I was babied and catered to and I wouldn't be getting in the Hall of Fame? I would be a brat, you know? Yeah. I, I wouldn't have the anger. 
I wouldn't have had the fighting experience that I had. It wouldn't have made me who I am. It was there for a reason. That's exactly right. You know, physical activity is such an important part of health. It is. It's necessary for managing our mental and physical health. Yeah, and your muscles, everything, yes. Yeah, it's not sufficient for health. Like you can exercise and box or cycle or whatever you do and still have, you know, medical problems. But, you know, as I say to patients all the time, moving our bodies is good for managing anxiety, moderating anger. It's good for regulating mood. It's good for our sleep. There's kind of nothing that exercise isn't good for, That's unless so you're true. like addicted to exercise oh, and yeah, you're yeah, over-exercising. Yeah. I want to ask you about the pandemic. I want to ask how it affected people in your life. You know, kids were shut out of school, restricted from physical activity. And as you and I have talked about, that affected people physically and oh, yeah, emotionally. Definitely. What have you witnessed in your community? You know, in my community, by God's grace, let me first say thank you, Lord, because my kids, we athletes in that house. Everybody, we worked out, we danced, everything was good. So when my, I call her like my little sister, she is a therapist. And she was like, sis, in the area we live in, she was like, it's so much depression in kids. She was like, these kids, some was suicidal. Some start cutting because they didn't have an outlet. So now she has so many clients, and it actually just came from the pandemic. They didn't have no social, not going out playing sports. They wasn't leaving their house to go to school, to talk to their little friends or hang out. Like, it was just you in the house, you with your parents. They needed social, like that real socializing based on time that they wasn't getting so they didn't know how to work with it. So they just got depressed. Yeah. And, and we're seeing, you know, as a result of school closures and the stress of yes. COVID itself, yes. an adolescent, young adult mental health crisis, a big increase in type 2 diabetes and obesity incre- in yes. young people. Yes. One of the many great things about you, Tori, is that you're really such an advocate for being physical. Oh, yes. Ma'am. And connecting the physical self to the mental health. Yes. If you were to talk to a child right now who's maybe struggling with emotional health issues, maybe it's anger, maybe it's loneliness, maybe it's social isolation after the pandemic, what would you tell that child? I would say, you know, everybody may have went through this. It's nothing wrong with you. You're fine. But try to get out. You need to figure out if you can talk to someone. Or if you need to be physically doing something. Or if it's both. If you feel like you want to go outside for a walk, go for a bike ride. Or if you want to go to the park, read a book by yourself. Even go talk to your friends and hang out and talk. You're fine. Most of the time people act like there's something wrong with them because they got to go to therapy. Or there's something wrong with them because they depressed. No, it's nothing wrong with you. Like You're just in a state right now. Like This too shall pass. You wasn't here a few months ago, were you? It's another part of your life. You will get through it. But the main thing I want you to do, get out, have fun. Go work out, do something, work your muscles, go walk, go just have fun. And don't think about it. You're a kid. Enjoy your life as a child. What are some of the hardest moments you faced as a professional athlete, as a boxer? First of all, you get punched in the face. I don't know how you even... That was the fun part, though. <laughs> tell me how it's fun to get punched in the face. Sorry, tell me. I you really want to know. Let me tell you, that is so funny. You act so... I had a fight. I'm so serious. I'm in the ring. I'm like, I'm praying. I'm in the corner shaking out. 
And then we get in there and we start fighting. Then the girl punched me. First, a few punches missed. And then when the one did connect, hit me in my face. And I don't know, I just started smiling. Like, I'm like, okay. It's on. That's, that's what I'm used to. So I get back to the corner and my coach was like, what is wrong with you? What you mean? Why are you smiling? Because she hit me. So getting hit in the face is not the hardest thing oh, you've ever dealt with. All. In fact, that's part of the job. That's the job. That's yes. the job. Okay, so then what are the, some of the hardest physical thing you faced as a boxer? Training camp. OMG. Four to six weeks of training camp. Your food, you can't eat what you want. <laughs> he used to tell me, every meal is not a party to your mouth. You know, most people say it's hard to lose weight for them. My hardest was gaining weight. If anybody asks me what's the hardest thing in boxing that really was for you was gaining weight. You eat, 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 but you're working out. You're burning so many calories and, and their muscle yes, mass and the, the metabolism you yes, had with I'm that muscle. I'm glad you understand, but you're a doctor. That's why. Because everybody else don't understand that. Well, what people don't understand is that strength training and resistance training is the way to boost metabolism. Yes. You basically are and were one muscle, one big fighting machine. I'm telling you, trying to gain this weight, I couldn't. Like, it was so hard for me. Sometimes I, I couldn't even make the weight. Like, I would really be eating right before weigh-ins. Like, everybody else sucking ice because they have to stay outside. I'm eating macaroni and cheese and cornbread trying to get weight. And, I mean, they used to be so mad with me because they smell the food and they're starving. And I'm eating. Did you break your nose, break your face? I got hit once so hard. This girl chipped my teeth through a mouthpiece, a professional mouthpiece. That's how hard she punched me. What does that feel like? I didn't feel it. The punch was vicious. <laughs> my coach said, I went back like the Matrix. But when I came back up, she thought it was going to drop me. But I didn't. I remember I stumped my feet and I looked at her in her eyes and I saw all her wind go out, like everything went out her body. And I just started walking to her, punching her, beating her down. And so when the bell rang, I went back to the corner and he took my mouthpiece out. He looked down and I looked down too because I saw his face and I looked down and I'm like, those my teeth? Later he told me, do I use this for positive or do I just be like, yeah, T. An instant, he was like, yeah, now what the H you going to do about it? Oh, put my mouthpiece back in. It didn't hit me until later. And then what was the hardest thing you dealt with emotionally during your boxing career? Losing my grandmother. She helped raise you. Yes, ma'am. That was my rock. If I had any compassion, it would have came from her. That was my rock. I stayed with her sometimes just so I could be around a woman. And it wasn't like she was sick. Like, she had a little health issue, but she was, like, in her 80s, you know? She was fine, though. My grandma was fine. So I'm in training camp. I get a phone call, and they say, you know, we had to rush grandma to the hospital, da-da-da-da. And I'm like, okay, you know, keep me posted. So I'm calling, and I'm talking to her on the phone. And she's like, TJ, it's good. But you got found out later she wasn't well. She wasn't, and she knew. But she knew I got a fight coming. So she was like, oh, I'm good, TJ, da-da-da-da. Like, this was just a little something. I'm good. I'll be back, da-da-da. So she gets back home. They sent her home. And I'm like, okay, 
you know, I'm fine in training camp. Like, I was down for a minute because my grandma in the hospital. But then she assured me that she's good. So then I'm back. I got a phone call, like, middle of the night. We're rushing her back to the hospital. Okay, I'm coming. They was like, wait, you know, wait on it. I get the call. She didn't make it. So training camp has to keep going because I have a fight. And my kids saw, and we already always said, like, when y'all say I'm done, then I'm done. Because it's just not me in training camp. My house is in training camp. Um, They saw the difference. They was like, once my grandma passed, they was like, your training camp wasn't the same. Mommy, this is it. This your last fight. And I respect my kids. And I said, you got it. So once my grandma passed, that was why boxing was done for me. Wow. She was really a part of your heart, oh, a part of your that's person. That's my baby. I call her my sexy. Why do you call her your sexy? She is a beautiful, beautiful person. Like, she's just the prettiest little brown, blue-eyed, long hair. Like, she was The way gorgeous. you look right now, Tori, yes. you just light <laughs> up talking about her. Yes. Uh, and she was a country grandma, so she was just fat. She tried to feed you all the time. She was just a little fat little grandma. Like, that was my heart. It's almost reassuring to me to see you tear up. Yes. Because in getting to know you, you're clearly this tough, <laughs> fierce, yes. shown off Tori Nelson. You also are a human being. Oh, yeah. And you experience grief. You experience oh, yes. loss. Yes. And you are allowing yourself to be human. Yeah. Now. 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 It took me a long time to get to this point. In the last maybe few years, I would be sad at this point, but I would push it down so far that I would be sad, but then I would just turn, get it together and come back. I don't cry. I still at this point, only time that I probably will ever break down is think about my mom or my grandma. I'm honored that you cried in front of me. I tell my <laughs> patients, I tell my patients that when they cry and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm crying in your office. I'm like, honey, you're not getting your money's worth yes. if you don't cry in my office. Yes. Um, secondly, it shows your human side. You and I have very different backgrounds and lives. I, though, am someone who's always been sort of like tough and oh, strong. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I have brothers and I'm kind of a fighter. Oh, yeah. And so my friends in high school and college would say to me when I cried, they were like, oh, thank God. Because... <laughs> They kind of thought I had it together, but like, who does, yeah, right? right? Nobody. Some of it Nobody. is just shoving down emotions exactly. and not expressing it. And yeah. I learned the hard way, like you did, when you shove down emotions, they come out in other less oh, productive yeah, ways. Yes. So how do you parent your kids now, knowing that you are who you are because you were parented and brothered mm -hmm. and sistered <laughs> by your siblings? But do you parent your kids in a different way where you talk about feelings? Or how do you talk about hard things with your kids? No. By God's grace, they're older now, so they know. But raising them, nope. I was a single parent as well at one point. And raising them was like the same as my brothers raised me. You, are you being a baby right now? Because I don't have time. So that's interesting that you parented yeah. the similar yeah. way that you The only thing I did different, because I used to always say when I was a little girl, when I get older and I have kids, I'm going to always tell my kids I love them. So I used to tell my kids when I put them at bed at night, I love you, good night, good morning, I love you. Like, I wanted to make sure, you know, because I didn't hear that. It was good night, 
That was it. You wanted to verbalize it and yes, not just show and it. Yeah, just show it. But I think I probably verbalized it more than showing it because I worked just like my mom. Like, I worked to raise my kids. I worked three jobs. My kids was raised in the gym. It takes a village. And, like, the other fighters in there would help my kids with homework or one of the coaches' wife would be in there and she would help. My kids was raised in the gym. I think you're right that it does take a village to raise kids. It does. I, I mean, I adore my kids more than life itself. I think that if I were the only presence in their oh, life, yes. the only kind of mentor authority figure, it'd be pretty bad. <laughs> like they need to be exposed to like my parents. Okay. Yes. Their other grandparents. Yes. You know, teachers, coaches, exactly. mentors, yes. because yes. they need to see a lot of different people as role models. Exactly. So Tori, you're about to receive this enormous honor. You're going to have your friends and family fly out to Las Vegas. What does that mean to you? Oh, that we did it. And I say we as me, Q, and Simone. We did it. All that time away from my kids, like holidays I didn't get to spend with them or holidays we didn't get to go home. Everything is worth it. Q and Simone are your son and your daughter, just to clarify for listeners. Are they proud of you? Before the Hall of Fame even existed, they was proud of me. My daughter used to yell, get her, mom, get her. And so she told me a story one time. I was in the ring boxing, and her and my mom was sitting on the outside, and my mom, she said, whenever I get hit, my mom would cover her face and be like, oh, come on, Tori. And so my daughter said, she looked at mom and was like, Brittany, where's your faith? Mommy always win. <laughs> she was like... Where you get this from? Oh, my God. I love it. Like, don't doubt this woman. Yes, right? So I was like, you know, that just made me know, like, we was in this together. By me, by us. It hasn't really hit me yet all the way. I think once I get to Vegas and I see my name out there, that's when it's going to hit. But I'm like, Lord, thank you for this blessing that let us all know it was worth it. My kids didn't have the play days outside. Like, they missed a lot. Not to down it, but to have 13 world title belts, no recognition, nothing like, they have been like, okay. But even in school, she was like, you can Google my mom. Can you Google your mom? You know? <laughs> Not many kids can say that. Right? And that's what she said. Yeah. And my son, oh, he talks me up to his friends like How cute crazy. is that? It's just a, such a blessing. So now to be like, oh, my mom, a Hall of Famer. It's incredible. It's going to be something they could take for the rest of their life. It's incredible. Yes. So I've heard through the grapevine that there is going to be a movie someday about your story. I know we can't talk about it too much, but if you were writing this story, if you were directing this movie, what would the story be about and what would the lesson be? You're not your past. Everybody has a past. I want everybody when they watch this to see just because you're in a spot, just because you're here grow from it. God has equipped you with everything you need. You're here for a reason, but he equipped you to move up and to be better. When they watch this story, I want them to see and to take with them the fact that, oh, she was there, but look where she at now. Don't get stuck where you at because that's not your calling. You just there. It can help build your character, but that's not where you're going to end up. I love it. It's also a lesson that it's never too late. Oh, yeah, true. Never. Because a lot of people start boxing when they're young. Oh, yeah, definitely. And you started late. I started late. 
the lesson I took away as well is that it's not too late to make a change in your life. It's also not too late to become physical. It's not too late to understand yourself better. I tell people when I'm motivational speaking or if I'm just motivating a kid on the street or whatever, I tell them, like, don't let people tell you what you can and can't do. Who are they? They don't know your calling, what God gave you. Don't let them. They can say what they want. That's all they can do is say. Don't let nobody tell you what you can and can't do. Anything is possible. You just got to try it first. Tori, you're such an inspiration well, to you. me, to your fans, to your friends, your family. And I am so proud to know you. And I can't wait to see what happens on October 22nd. <laughs> Thank you so much. And thanks for joining me today and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And happy birthday. Well, thank you. Thank you all for listening to Beyond the Prescription. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, download, and share the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you catch your podcasts. I'd be thrilled if you like this episode to rate and review it. And if you have a comment or question, please drop us a line at info at The views expressed on this show are entirely my own and do not constitute medical advice for individuals. That should be obtained from your personal physician. Beyond the Prescription is produced at Podville Media in Washington, D.C.